Genesis chapter 3, verse 16, if you have it, say amen. It says, and unto the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. In sorrow, you shall bring forth children, and thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over you. Verse 17, and unto Adam he said, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and you have eaten of the tree which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it, cursed is the ground for your sake. In sorrow, in pain, you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Once again, Lord, I couldn't pray enough times for a message like this. Have your way in Jesus' name. We all said, tonight we're going to talk about conflict. We're going to talk about arguing. We're going to talk about understanding what it is when the opposition comes your way. Opposition. Now, we're going to talk about it in the marital sense, but again, this will apply to all of you that are single, okay? Now, I say that because from here on out, I'm going to stop talking to all you singles, and now married couples, let's go. Are you ready? We're going to talk about this because what you and I must understand, especially within marriage, is that conflict is essential to the nature of who we are. It's important to who we are. When we talk about conflict and we see something here, after Adam had sinned in the garden, the Bible says that conflict ensued. When God asked him if he had eaten of the forbidden tree, he didn't simply say yes. He said, well, the wife made me do it. Or actually in context, the woman made me do it. Then we went to the woman, then the woman said, well, the serpent made me do it. And all of a sudden, it just, the blame game then started. Started right here. So what happened was, is that when the fall of man came in, it started with conflict of marriage. Think about that. The sin of man came in with conflict of marriage. That's how it all started. It started in marriage. It's crazy, huh? How it all began, it started here. And so he directly blamed the woman, but he indirectly blamed God. That's what began to happen. Then when sin entered this world, what you and I must understand at the same time, so did conflict. In fact, God said that one of the results of sin was going to be conflict uh, between the man and the woman. And here we read in Scripture we find in Genesis chapter 3 that the woman would desire to control the husband and that the husband would desire to dominate the woman. That's how it happened. It was always going to be there. So that's why, why is this always happening? Because it started at the roots of the tree. Started there. Conflict has always been a part of our nature. Even as we look throughout the scriptures, we see the fruit of sin displayed in conflict. Now, remember, we talked about Adam and, Eve, uh, Adam and Eve. Later on, you find in Genesis chapter 4, you'll see their sons go in conflict. The first murder, right? 
it happened. And then God said to, to Cain, where's your brother? Am I my brother's keeper? I didn't do it. So all of a sudden it gets passed down and it keeps going down. Matter of fact, even Cain's son, Lamech, killed another man. And the Bible says that he boasted about it. Then in Genesis chapter 6, the Bible says that the world was full of violence. And he decided to wipe out everybody with a flood. Now, what was very important is that when the flood came, it wiped out all of man, but it didn't wipe out man's nature. It didn't wipe out the nature of man. It wiped out the physicality of man, except for a few. It stood in there. It stood there. And so what you and I must understand is that the world itself has never known any era or any generation not to have conflict. There has always been throughout history conflict. There has always been throughout history wars. There has always been throughout history opposition. It started the fall of man with the conflict within marriage, and it has kept on going. What you and I must understand is that even throughout history, marriages are not exempt. Matter of fact, if you study history, a lot of wars started over marriage. It started over a woman. It started over a man. It started over, well, no, that can't be, you know, pride rise up. And so what you and I must understand is that, especially as married couples, when you get involved with things, say, why is this happening? It's happening because it's always been like that. So what you and I must understand is that when you get involved in something that's going to be there no matter what, you might as well learn how to handle it. Because if you try to say, we need to stop doing this, actually, no, you can never stop doing it. It's always been there. It started with Adam and Eve. It started with his sons, and it went down to their children and their children's children and their children's children and their children's 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 children. And guess what? It went all the way to you. So if you think the only way this is, I'm ever going to be in a happy marriage is if we stop arguing. No, that's actually not the case. You just need to learn where healthy arguments come from, healthy conflict. Too much of anything is overwhelming. Too much of the light. I mean, the lights right now are just right. But if you put too much light, like, ooh, you know, food is good. Too much food, ooh, I can't handle it. Conflict is good. Too much conflict, whoa, whoa, whoa. You must learn how to have a healthy conflict. Tell your neighbor, healthy conflict. So here tonight, I want to kind of help a few of us couples learn how to blossom the fruits of a good, healthy marriage, a good, healthy understanding. Are you guys ready here tonight? All right. When it comes to marriage and when it comes to conflict, matter of fact, let's just get that word out the way. Somebody say conflict. All the wives say conflict. You didn't say it like you mean it. All the wives say conflict. All the husbands say conflict. All the husbands should know that you can't say conflict without a con. Conflict. The word con, actually, it's not on my notes, but, you know, I know this. The word con just means with. It means with something. Affliction. So with flick. Something comes upon. So it comes together. So con is not convict, you know. It's con. It's with something. So I want to make sure we get that clear. So we're going to get with something. Conflict. And dealing with conflict, you and I must understand that first we must have the right attitude. Have the right attitude. Somebody say attitude. Someone say attitude. One of the first principles 
that is necessary to resolve conflict is having the right attitude. In other words, having the joyful expectation of what God is putting you through. Did you catch that? Having the joyful understanding, the joyful expectation of what God is putting you through, not your spouse. Because if you think that it's your spouse that's doing it, you're not going to have a joyful expectation. You are going to have a, God, just let, just one time, just give me one moment, I'll backslide, then I can front slide right after. Just forgive me. Just one moment, just one moment. Come on, just give me, ooh. Just ooh. Now, if you've ever been married, you've, you've had one of those ooh moments. Now, if you've never been married, I don't know. Maybe you have. You've had it with somebody else. But if you've been married or if you have been married, you've never had that moment, in the name of Jesus, you are perfect. But if you're married, you're going to have those moments like, oh, man, I just want to. And so what happens is conflict wants to bring to you the wrong perspective. And so the wrong perspective is derived from your attitude. Somebody say attitude. And in marriage, it's very important that you and I understand that we must have a good attitude. In Romans chapter 5, matter of fact, I told you we were going to do something a little different here. Somebody turn to Romans chapter 5. I want you to stand and read it. We're going to, we're going to have a little bit more of a teaching here. Romans chapter 5, verses 3 through 5. Somebody with a loud voice, a married couple, not a single. I want a married man or a married woman. Romans chapter 5, verses 3 through 5. And then actually someone else turned, another married couple turned to James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. Who has Romans chapter 5? Romans chapter 5. You have it? Okay, stand up. We're going to read it for the sake of the podcast over the microphone. Romans chapter 5, verses 3 through 5. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength and character, and character strengthens our confidence, hope, confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lend to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. Awesome. James chapter 1. Who has James chapter 1, verses 2 through Actually, two and three. Who has James chapter one? I want a married couple here. That person. You got it? Go ahead and stand and read it. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, when even your face trials, even when you, excuse me, let me start a little. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Somebody say trials. Someone say conflict. What's very important that we see here that Paul in the book of Romans is telling you to rejoice in your sufferings. Rejoice in what you go through. Rejoice in your conflict. And James says consider it pure joy. Pure joy. Somebody say pure joy. So when we encounter this, we must understand that it is God's purpose for us to go through it. You know, you know what I've learned is that God wastes no suffering. The suffering that you go through, you may think, why am I going through this? God never wastes it. See, you and I, we have leftovers after we eat. God never has leftovers in your suffering. Never. He knows exactly what you were going through on purpose for a purpose. 
And when you have that understanding with the perspective of I may not like what I'm going through right now. I may not feel good with what I'm going through right at this moment, but I know at the end there's a great result. And so when you know at the end there's a great result, your perspective changes. You understand that no matter what I'm going through, I consider it pure joy. Somebody say pure joy. See, God uses conflict to make us grow into the image of Christ. You'll find it there in Romans chapter 8, verses 28 through 29 if you're taking notes. And that should be our ultimate goal. And you know what I have found? Is that many times God uses our spouse to be that sandpaper to the pearl that you're becoming. God uses your spouse to be that sandpaper. Now, for those of you that have ever worked construction or tried to do uh, anything with sandpaper, trying to smooth something out, right, that the purpose is you take the wood or you take whatever uh, material that you have there, but you use something rough, and something rough makes it smooth. Now, you would think, well, the way it works. No, I should be smooth, and this should be smooth, and we'll smooth it out. That's not how it works. In order to smooth anything out, something has to be rough. There must be conflict. See, for those of you that say, well, I hate these, I hate going through it, then you know what you're ultimately saying? Is you're, you're ultimately saying something opposite to your prayer because in your prayers you say, God, make me more like you. And God looks down and says, okay, here's a trial. Okay, I want to I look more like you. I want to be more like you, but don't give me a trial. Okay, well, then you don't want to be more like me. Because if you want to be more like me, you're going to need a trial. Now, for those of you that are married and you want to look like God, you know what your trial looks like? It's called your spouse. All the married couples say hallelujah. Say hallelujah. Somebody often has said marriage is not about happiness. It's about holiness. Marriage is not about happiness. It's about holiness. God did not give you a married couple, a, a, a husband or a wife to make you happy. He gave you a spouse to make you holy. He gave you a spouse to make you holy. See, this is what you and I must understand is that we are so often, especially in this world, doing our best to pursue happiness when we're missing the understanding of true holiness. See, in marriage, we enter the ultimate accountability relationship, which is meant to help us grow as God's children. And you'll find it there in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 25. When James taught us, and even Paul taught us here in Romans chapter 5 and James chapter 1, that, we should in, that when we encounter this marital conflict, all the trials, we should go through it with joyful expectation. Not because we enjoy suffering, but, but because we know God's purposes inside of the trial. See, we worship God, we worship a God who took the worst sin that ever happened in the world, the murder of a son, and made it the best thing. God, take, God took the worst conflict in, that ever happened in the history of this world and turned it around and made it the greatest thing to ever happen. When God sent his son to die on the cross, we would think that is the worst thing to ever happen to you and I. But God turned it around and made it the greatest part of you and I. Because of that, we can have salvation. See, don't ever think that just because you're going through the worst of it, not at the end, that you're not going to get the best of it. There's a purpose of why you're going through it. You may not like it. It may not feel good. But God never uh, brought you into this earth just so you can feel good. He brought you into this earth so you can have a relationship with the one who is good, and that is him. 
He's the ultimate goodness. He is the ultimate greatness that we should strive for in this world. Can I hear an amen? See, it is for this reason that we should have a joyful expectation even in conflict. Now, what's very important is this, is that the scriptures that I'm bringing out even right now, I don't want you to think that the scriptures are telling you to deny the pain. That's not what it is. It's not saying don't act like the pain. It's not there. Just deny it. No, embrace the pain. Embrace what you're going through. Uh, the other day, uh, I had gotten out. Actually, it's still hurting right now. I gotten out of, uh, uh, I got my wisdom tooth pulled. Man, this thing hurts. I mean, hurt. I don't think I'd ever been through so much pain in a while. Uh, I, I broke my ankle. I broke my knee. I've broken everything. This thing hurt. Now, if you know anything about me, even when I go through pain, I don't, I don't like Advil and Tylenol. And Listen, if you're in pain, take it. Amen. I'm just saying for me, I don't like taking that stuff. That's just not me. This was probably the first time in years. That, you know when you go to the medications and the doctor gives you the prescriptions, right? I think I have about 10 of those still in my cabinet. I don't, I don't like taking them. I hate it. This is the first time in years I came home going, Chell, I need that stuff right now. Give me the stuff, man. I need the stuff, man. And that's actually what I called it. She's like, what stuff? I go, you know the stuff, man. I need the stuff. Give me the stuff. This thing hurt. I've had all three of my other wisdom teeth taken out. I didn't feel no pain. That's perfectly fine. This was the only one. I was like, oh, my God. I couldn't open my mouth. This thing hurts. I was asking everybody for advice by grinding my teeth. What do you do? Oh, do this. I'm like, you don't understand. I mean, I was like, ah, this thing hurts. So much pain. So much pain. You know what I've learned about pain? Is that pain, oftentimes, especially us within our nature, we try to medicate the pain rather than embrace the pain. That's our nature. Our nature is to give me something to numb the pain. It's natural. So what happens is we go through certain things within our marriages, and we say, I don't like this pain. I'm going to go talk to somebody else who feels my pain. I'm going to go deal with something. Else. I'm gonna, you know what? I'm just going to go over here, and we're going to run away from the pain without understanding God is taking you through that pain for a purpose. And it isn't until you understand, you know what, God, I don't like this. This is not exactly my everyday life. But, Lord, if you're taking me through this, then, Lord, you be the one that I talk to. You be the one that I need to hold a hand through. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'm not going to fear anything. I am not, I'm not just going to deny it. No, but, God, I'm going to embrace it. And if this is the pain that I must go through, if this is the cross that I must bear, then I'm going to do that. I mean, I look around, and I see so many different men and women that have been through so much pain. And because of that, like the Scripture says, pain and the suffering, it produces perseverance. Perseverance pers uh, produces character, and character produces hope. See, what you and I must understand is that in the pain, there is a production that is happening. There is a fruit that is being produced. Can I hear an amen? Can I hear an amen? So you're going through these things as a couple in a difficult conflict, but you must understand that the strongest marriages must go through the strongest pain, through the strongest trials. This is something what you and I, when we begin to understand, our attitude changes. 
our perspective then changes. Many of you know I, I share a lot about how growing up I played a lot of sports. And I remember the first time when I was playing baseball and I stood up there with a baseball bat and the very first time I ever got hit by a baseball, boom. Now, I'll be honest with you. I was a little kid. That hurt. That hurt. And I got hit. The very next time I went up to bat, the, you know, they, they have this thing called the batter's box, and you're supposed to step in the batter's box. The very next time I went up, I must have stood about two feet from the batter's box. And I remember my coach saying, get in there. No, it hurt. Get in there. You better get in there or I'm going to get you off the team. And we're going to, you know, I had a coach who used to cuss a lot. I'm, believe me, I'm being nice right now. He said, get in there. You're going to, oh, I don't want to. I don't want to. Well, why not? Because it hurts. It hurts. See, you, what you and I must realize, especially as married couples, is that you're going to realize that it's going to hurt. But guess what? It's supposed to hurt. I know you don't want to hear that, but it's supposed to hurt. Wait, so are you telling me, Pastor, that I got married just so that my wife can hurt me? Yes. Well, I don't like that. That doesn't make any sense. Okay, well, you keep having that attitude, you're always going to be hurt. But you know what I've learned over time? Over time. As a little kid, that's how I thought. But like the scripture says, as I became a man, I put childish things behind me. You know what one of the things that I used to do as I got older? I would get as close as I could to the plate. You know why? Because then I started learning some things. They used to tell me, a walk is as good as a hit. Right? For those who play baseball. Walk's as good as a hit. So even though you don't hit the ball, so what? Get on base. So you know what I used to do? I used to get next to the plate, and the pitchers would get upset. And then guess who would get hit? Me. Boom! But you know what? I would take it a little bit different. i go, ah, go to first base, and then I'm on base. Still second. Guy gets a hit. I come around, get home. We win. Because why? I had the right perspective of understanding that I'll take the pain for right now because I want the victory later. See, what you and I must understand is that the pain that you're going through right now, you cannot look at it and say, this hurts. I'm out of the game. No, you're going to miss the victory. You're going to miss what God has been always trying to do with you the whole time. Yes, it hurts. Yes, it doesn't feel good. Yes, it keeps on coming. Yes, it's a curveball. I don't understand it. Why did he say that? Why did she do that? How come she doesn't understand? How come he doesn't understand? He doesn't get me. Why is this taking place? Well, if he would just understand, if he would just do what I say, if she would just do what I say, if the only reason, no, my friend, you need to understand the right perspective. You cannot stop the ball from coming, but you could take it and understand, hey, Thanks for that. That's what I needed. Having the right attitude. Counting it all joy. Somebody say, count it all joy. You know what counting means? When he says, count it all joy, in other words, he's saying, make sure that you remember all the great things that have happened and don't focus on the one bad thing that is happening. Count it all joy. All of it. You can't look at it and say, well, look what he's doing. He's not doing this. Okay, but what about all the great things? Well, it doesn't matter right now. Okay, then you're having the wrong perspective because you're missing all the great things that she did. You're missing all the great things that he did. Count it all joy. Somebody say all of it. The second thing that we must do as married couples when it comes to conflict, we must develop perseverance. Mm. 
Perseverance. Romans chapter 5, we read it earlier, talks about this. And in continuing with what Paul and James both taught, we understand that trials produce perseverance. Somebody say perseverance. Paul says that perseverance produces character and character produces hope. James said that we should let perseverance finish its work so that we become mature and complete, not lacking anything. When it comes to marital conflict, we must develop perseverance so that we can produce the fruits that God wants us to cultivate within our marriage. Now, what's very important, what you and I must understand, is that all fruit must be cultivated, whether it's bad or whether it's good. Whether it's bad or whether it's good. Now, earlier, I shared just a little bit about the fruit, and we talked about the fruit. And for those of you that are getting into the scriptures, I want to challenge you. Learn the fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, health, you know, long-suffering, gentleness, kindness, goodness. you got to learn these fruits. But what you must also learn is that there are fruits of the Spirit, and then there's also fruits of the flesh. I'm going to say that one more time. There's fruits of the Spirit, and then there's fruits of the flesh. Somebody say fruits of the Spirit, fruits of the flesh. The natural response to conflict is fruits of the flesh, which would be to quit. Done. I don't want this anymore. Sick of this. Can't handle this. She's no good. I'm no good. There's just no good happening in this hood. We're just no good. Done. Fruits of the flesh. Paul calls it discord. Somebody say discord. In other words, it's division. Many of us at our times within our lives, especially within our marriages, at one point within our marriage, we've all said, I've had enough. This is not me. And we begin to distance ourselves emotionally and even physically without wanting to fix anything of what God had intended under the commitment and under the vow of what we originally said the I do's under. However, Scripture teaches us that to persevering trials, which includes conflict, that word means to bear up under a heavy weight. To bear up under a heavy weight. Last night uh, in our marriage group, basically what I was saying is that you got to love your spouse because that's your bear. Bear your burden. Hallelujah. That's what the word means. It means to bear up, to hold on to, to persevere, to take hold of no matter what. No matter what. See, sometimes within our lives, actually not sometimes, but many times within our lives, whenever we go through trials, it's real easy to say, okay, that's it, I'm done. I'm good. I'm, uh, that's it, I'm done. I'm done. I don't know how many of you have ever gotten a trainer when you're in the gym. Has anybody ever had one of those before? No, nobody's ever had that? Okay, well, when you go to the gym and you get a trainer, whether you're doing MMA or whether you're uh, on the weights, the trainer is there to make sure that you don't quit. That's their whole purpose. It's not to show you new techniques, because if you're honest, you probably know all the techniques. You could do it. Lift those weights. Jump that rope. You can do that on your own. What's the trainer there for? To make sure you don't quit. Don't stop. Keep going. Because as you keep jumping, okay, I'm done. No, don't stop. Keep going. 
Oh, man, but this hurts. No, don't stop. Okay, but you don't understand. No, you don't understand. I see the finished work. Don't stop. Oh, but man, my legs hurt. I don't care. Don't stop. Oh, but you don't understand. She keeps on. I don't care about her. I care about you. Oh, but man, she just don't know. It doesn't matter about her. You. Perseverance. Perseverance produces character. See, right now, when you're going through it, all you see is the rope. That's all you see. And if you're a married couple at one time or another in your life, you probably wanted to turn that rope and say, somebody needs to hang on this rope. One time, you probably think that. But see, that's not what it's for. You just got to keep going. You may not like it. It may not feel good, but it's going to produce something. Somebody say produce. See, God matures us individually and corporately as we bear under this heavy weight. He teaches us to trust him more. See, with this, we develop peace, patience, joy, regardless of the circumstances. And matter of fact, according to James, we let the perseverance finish its perfect work. See, in order to resolve any conflict, we must develop perseverance. It's essential to what we had promised under our wedding vows. In sickness and in health, for rich or for poor, for better or for worse, for rich or for poor, for rich or for poor, for rich or for poor, for poor or for poor. I bring that out because I'm going to talk about that later. You know that still the number one reason of divorce in America is still finances. Still finances. Even though it's in our commitment to our vows, sometimes we forget our commitment. And we think, well, if this were to happen, if this were to happen, no. When you have the right perspective and you understand perseverance, somebody say perseverance. It's for better or for worse. Paul says in Galatians 6, 9, let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Which brings me to my third and my last point, and that in conflict we must sow good seeds. Sow good seeds. We might not, uh, not just have only the right attitude, but we must also sow the right seeds in order to, to resolve it. Paul said that whatever we sow, we're going to reap. Galatians chapter 6. Whatever we sow, we're going to reap. Sowing and reaping is a principle of God set throughout all of the earth, and it also works within every marriage as well. If we sow negative seeds, we're going to reap negative fruit. If we sow positive seeds, we're going to reap positive fruit. Sadly, though, within our marriages, it's very easy to sow negative seeds. Now, I say this because we use this as a financial term, but really it's a spiritual term that can definitely grow within our marriages. Now, please, married couples, listen to me all right here. This is very, very important because we may think, what's the big deal? Seeds are a very big deal. Now, this is the thing that I've learned about seeds is that seeds are very small and they're very hard to spot unless you're intently watching. Unless you're looking at them intently, you won't think it's a big deal. What is the big deal? So I just tell her that. She gets it. That's how she grew up. He understands. We just joke like that. I could just bash him. It's no big deal. Seeds. 
Well, that's just what I do. That's just, and he better get it because that's the way I grew up, and so that's the way I grew up, and that's how she's going to get it. Seeds. The seeds that you begin to sow will eventually come out, good or bad. Somebody say good or bad. This is why many times a wife wants a husband to spend more time with her, but in order to get that, many times a wife will try to criticize the fruit she desires is the opposite seed of what she's exactly sowing. The seed of criticism will only produce a negative fruit in the husband. In the same way, a husband who wants to be intimate with his wife actually withdraws from her, hoping that withdrawing from her will actually draw her closer, but it actually does the opposite. The negative seeds many times cannot produce a positive effect. See, what you and I must understand is that in conflict, what you and I are realizing that many times it's doing the very opposite effect of what we're actually sowing. We think, if I sow it like this, I'm going to get that result. Actually, you're getting the exact opposite result. And if I'm honest with you, there's been many times, even when I've shared with my wife, even a couple years ago, we had this conversation. And we were talking, and she, she actually came to me and said, well, well why, do you, why are you doing this? In my mind, I'm thinking, I'm doing it so you can catch it, and come on, you, 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 you'll get closer to me. You know what she told me? She goes, when you're doing this, I actually feel like going away from you. In my mind, I go, that doesn't make any sense. But as I begin to think about it, I went, oh, my gosh, that makes a lot of sense. The whole time, I was thinking it was going to have the opposite effect. I do this, and you're going to come closer to me. <laughs> no, not at all. wasn't the... The, the, the effect I was looking for at all. Why? Because it's biblical. You reap what you sow. It's not you sow it, and hopefully the opposite effect will then you get to harvest. That's not how it works. Whatever you sow, you're going to reap. You want good thoughts? Sow good thoughts. You want a good harvest? Sow a good harvest. Even though you may not like it, even though you're going through it, even though everything in the house is chaotic. Now, for those of you that have never had a chaotic house, you can come to my house and you'll see exactly what it's like. Four kids running all around. Now, if I'm, if I'm standing up here behind this microphone and you think, well, pastor has it all together, trust me, we don't have it all together. One moment we'll have the kids coming Banging on the door, mom, mom, mom. I feel like it feels like a cartoon when we're in the mom, mom. Then you got another one yelling from downstairs, dad, dad. Then you got another one running up and down the hallways, eating his food, and he's going to the TV. Then you got another one running in and out the door. Who's opening the door? We have a little beep on our door. So when the door opens, ding, 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 ding. I feel like we have the roadrunner in our house, ding, 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 ding. Like, what is going on? So all these things happening in our house. I'm just being honest with you. These are the kind of things that happen in our house. They probably say, well, pastor, what are you trying to say? What I'm trying to say is that even in the midst of this all, if I don't intently plant seeds into my wife, I will let all the chaos around my house get to me. And then I'll think it's her fault. Or vice versa, she'll think it's my fault. No, 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 no. I must intently, even in the midst of conflict, even in the midst of chaos. The Bible doesn't say, look, if you're going through it and you're not feeling that good, well, you don't have to, you know, sow any good seeds. I understand. And 
doesn't say that. It says, even in the midst of it all, even in the midst of financial situation, financial conflict, uh, of physical conflict, spiritual conflict, you got to sow good seeds. Somebody say, sow good seeds. Now, right away, a lot of times within the conflict, we must understand how to respond to this. Now, I look at this, and I get ready to close with this one. Romans chapter 12. Matter of fact, turn there. Romans chapter 12. If you have been married for more than a day, at one time in your life, you have felt within your marriage life that the spouse was the enemy. At one time, one moment, maybe, maybe for those of you that are great, it was only a day. Praise the Lord. But at one time, you will feel like your spouse is the enemy. They're coming against you on purpose. They're saying this. They're doing this on purpose. You think, well, they're the enemy. You know what I have learned is this. Romans chapter 12. Let's look here. The response of an enemy. This is where even singles, look at this. Do not take revenge, my friends. Let's just stop right there in the name of Jesus. Let's keep going. Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with You want to know how to deal with the enemy? So good. Matter of fact, it says if they're hungry, make them quesadillas. My, my wife, wakes, she makes bomb quesadillas, that's why. They're real good. So that's how I know if we're ever going through it and I feel like the enemy and I see a big old plate of quesadillas in front of me, I go. But I'll take it, you know. It's actually what the Bible says. Because, well, man, they're, they're just getting on my nerves. You know what you're supposed to do? Serve them. <laughs> That's the whole message right there. I could, we could just stop right there. Because you know what the Bible says? It says it's like hot coals on their head. Does it say hot coals? Excuse me, I want to make sure I said it right. Burning coals. Heap of burning coals on their head. That's what it is. Wait, what? Oh, this oh, didn't feel good. Wait a second. We're supposed to be at each other's throats. Actually, no, I'm going to feed your throat. Is your throat parched? Here, here's some water. What can I do to serve you? It's the complete opposite. See, everything in the kingdom of God is the opposite. You want to be first? Be last. You want to be the greatest? Be least. You got to learn how to serve. For the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. To serve. And when you understand the principle of this, you are sowing good seed. See, Paul taught this, that in a response to any enemy, we must overcome evil with good. Instead of responding in anger or even seeking revenge, we must sow kindness and generosity. If he's hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. Instead of being overcome by evil, we must overcome evil by continually sowing good. See, this is the... These are the seeds that will 
decipher what kind of conflict you're going to have, whether it's a destructive conflict or a healthy conflict. See, instead of always wanting to have that person listen, why don't you have a listening ear? You need to listen. Well, let me listen to you. And I'll tell you something. In learning how conflict within things happen, with, even within our marriage, I'm learning even my best to even, okay, what is it you're trying to say? What is it that's trying to go on here? Because I want to be quick to listen, not quick to speak. Don't be quick to speak. Be quick to listen. Bite the tongue. What is it that's really going on here? Because I want to make sure that we're going to end this on a good note. Now, there's other points that I have. Believe me, there's a lot of other points. I actually have nine of them. But these three are the first three that I want to make sure that you and I must understand, even as married couples. Because I look around, and one of the things that I see really hitting our churches is the marriages. Is the marriages. The enemy has hitting, been hitting our marriages almost to the point where divorce looks normal. Even in church. Even in churches. We learn about finances. We learn about certain other things. We learn about coming and being a part of the ministry, serving the ministry. But yet many times we forget about serving our spouse. Serve your wife. Serve your husband. Ah, oh, but you don't know my husband. I don't have to know your husband. I know the word. Well, you should have seen what she told me. I don't know what she told you, and I really don't care what she told you because I know what God told you. What did God say? Maybe you need some heaping coals on your head right now. See, we must not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. We must not only sow good seeds, but we must be faithfully, we must faithfully do it until God brings us the harvest. One plants, one waters, but only God can bring the increase. This is something that I pray for us as married couples, and I close, you can come to the piano, that we understand for those of us that are married. I bring the, this teaching out in a way that I would hope would help you and I to resolve an understanding conflict. I didn't say do away with conflict because conflict is good for you. Conflict's good. Don't ever think, well, we're arguing, therefore it's bad. It's actually not bad. You got to learn how to do things in a healthy way. Healthy way. Conflict is good. Even within each other, even here within the church. Now let's bring it, let's take it out of the marriage and let's bring it into the church. Even within the church, some of you here, you have something against somebody that's sitting, you know, five seats down, four rows back, three rows in front. You're like, oh, I don't get along with them. You don't have to get along with them, but you must resolve good seeds. You got to learn how to have healthy conflict. We're always talking about getting along. We're always talking about that. Why? Because the Bible even talks about that. Unless two, the same vision, go along together, how can you, how can you walk together? It's going to be very difficult to do. But you're going to have to understand that conflict is a part of going along. For those of you that are married, for those of you in the church, it's a part of going along. It may not feel good. It may not look good. Matter of fact, if we're honest, sometimes it gets downright nasty. Why would you say that? Why would you do that? That's horrible. You, you went to hurt me on purpose. And so we think, you know what? This is just a horrible feeling. I'm done with you. Ultimately, like Adam, 
we're saying, well, it's the woman's fault. The woman says, well, it's the serpent's fault. And the serpent says, well, hey, they're the ones that took the word. They took the bait. That was on them. That's how it works. Well, that's not that. And then it gets passed down. And then Cain does it with Abel. And then Lamech does it with his brother. Keeps going passed down and passed down and passed down and passed down. It isn't until we understand that, listen, the conflict that we have. I say this because if there's any married couples here and you're in an argument, you come to church. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. You get in the car. Don't you say a word. You're lucky right now. We're just coming from church. Because, man, we were coming. Oh, my God. You're lucky I'm saved right now. Or else I'd be laying hands on you and they wouldn't be holy right now. Sounds hilarious, right? It's true. I want you to understand something. You don't have to come to church to put up a front and say everything's all good. It's not. It doesn't always have to be. But what you have to understand is that God is making you, making you into the image of him through what you're going through. It may feel ugly. It doesn't feel good. You want to know how we, you and I got eternal life? Through his death. Life is not always pretty at the beginning. It's not always pretty. But I thank God for his death. Because of his death, I have life. If you and I that are married, you want to stay married, you got to learn how to die to yourself. Die to yourself. Don't feel good. Death never feels good. Funerals don't feel that great. But in death, there's life. It's biblical. In death, there's life. For those of you that are here that are married couples, they're going through it and there's an argument happening. I want to challenge you. Challenge you here tonight. Again, I know this is a little bit more of a teaching than a preaching. But I want to challenge you here tonight to do your best and say, you know what? Honey, babe, schnookums, whatever you call your spouse. And you would say, you know what? We don't always get along. But we're always going to continue to go along. We're in this together. And we're going to do this together. You may not be perfect. I may not be perfect. But you're perfect for me. And I'm perfect for you. And we're going to do this together. Can you stand with me here? We're going to make an altar call.